As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Thanksgiving's in a week. Uh, Thanksgiving was a month ago to our Canadian friends listening. Uh, here with Jake Seeley. Well, it's, uh, I like how that was all one word at the beginning. Well, Jake, come on. Everyone knows. Welcome to the Athletic Battle Podcast. And Eric Moody, who might not be as critical. Yeah, I won't be as critical uh, on Yonando, but it is crazy to believe that we've got uh, Thanksgiving coming up uh, next week. Going to smoke a turkey and uh, put together all the other fixings, I guess, as they say down south. What's it like to have land and to be able to like, go outside and smoke a turkey? Land. <laughs> well, I don't have. I can't even have a grill where I live. Yeah, I guess as far as with the smoker, it's nothing. Uh, you know, nothing. You know, special about it. You know, just kind of your your basic uh, smoker. I know I've been thinking about getting a, a Traeger, but um, yeah, I don't have anything fancy. Yeah, nothing at uh, all. So just it's only it only it can only hold. I would say like a turkey and maybe like a few other things. It's it's nothing massive. It's not what you're thinking. <laughs> I know. Have you ever deep fried a turkey? I've not done that. Okay, yeah, Jake, come on. We're talking about. I figured you could. Here. I figured you could on your land. <laughs> uh, Moody, do you have to? Do you, have to like, do you even carve the turkey when it's smoked, or do you just kind of like pull it off the bone? Yeah, you you can still uh, you can you can pull it off, especially if you cook it the right way. But then once uh, you know once it's out, you know you, you get it out and just kind of get your your carving fork and knife, and then just kind of kind of go and uh, go to work. But I, I'm really looking at one of those uh, one of those Traeger uh, Pro Series uh, grills, like that uh, 780. Uh, that, that pellet hey, grill. Say it a few more times, maybe they'll send you one. I know, maybe, 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 maybe they will. <laughs> hey, Traeger. <laughs> yeah, hey, Traeger. Today's episode is brought to you by Traeger, yeah. Yeah, it's brought to you by Traeger. And then we could uh, do, you host do like, your a family? live stream. Do they come like, in by phone? carriage and wagon on your land? You know, Jake, you know, this is te- this is Texas, Jake. We got a lot of land. Everyone's, everyone's horses. <laughs> horses and cowboy hats, all right? Say none of that. Horses and cowboy hats. I know, hats. man. I just, I just, you know, like, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm jealous of people who just don't have like a balcony and can only have one of the plug-in grills. So I like hearing about smoking a turkey. Uh, okay, let's get it. So today's show, uh, we're bringing back, people seem to like this, they seem to love this, 32 questions about 32 teams. Uh, we're going to go through every single team, mostly in alphabetical order. Some of the, some of the teams I had some comparisons that I thought were apt, so I just mushed a couple teams together. Uh, that's pretty much it. 
And some of this is born out of, and I'll get into it a little later, but I'm trying to write this story about 32 wild predictions for the rest of the season, one for each team. And uh, some of the teams, like, you can't make, like, Buffalo, you can't make a wild prediction about. Like, the you know, the, the one that you might have had, Cole Beasley, turns into, like, a PPR beast has already happened. Um, but we'll get into it. Maybe you guys can help me out a little bit. Let's start with Arizona. Mm-hmm. Moody, let me start with you on a scale of 1 to 10. How badly do you want Kenyon Drake on your team rest of the season? Wait, it may take me about 30 seconds to walk across all of my land to get to the to get to the mic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, going back to the question on, on, on that scale, um, I would say a seven. You know, like the Cardinals, you know, they lean heavily on the run. Like, they were averaging 169 rushing yards per game. Um, you look at Drake, I'm like, you know, whether you like him or not, I'm like, he's averaging 18 opportunities per game, you know, this season. Uh, I think Drake – you know, Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray have run the football very well this season. You know, all of them have combined for 19 rushing attempts of 20 or more yards this season for a total of 438 yards. Now, here's the reality, people. Uh, Drake and Edmonds are going to be part of a committee. You know, Drake's dominating the early downs, short yarded situations. Edmonds will continue to kind of operate as that change of pace and be used more as a receiver out of the backfield. But it's just really difficult to find running backs being provided consistent volume. So if he's a guy that I can acquire, you know, I want him on my team. Yeah. I'm I, the more I dig into Kenyon Drake, even with Chase Edmonds there and even with Kyler, like Drake has a lot of red zone rushes. Um, he came back after missing just a week to run for a hundred yards. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm like a nine on a scale of one to Traeger. I'm a nine uh, for Kenyon Drake right now. <laughs> I just want him. Uh, anyway, Jakey, Jakey, let's go to Atlanta. Hayden Hurst uh, is on a bit of a roll right now. Three straight games with, I believe seven or more targets. Um, he's averaging almost 60 yards a game. The last three. Uh, and I think he's doing it very quietly. You know, like he hasn't had that 120 yard game with 11 targets. Um, but I, I guess like, you know, under the shadow of Calvin Ridley's foot injury and, uh, just, I don't know, general Atlanta weirdness, Hayden Hurst, um, seems like everyone's trashing tight ends right now, but it seems like Hayden Hurst, uh, could end up being like, maybe like a top six tight end rest of the season, especially in the PPR league. Yeah. I'm so one, glad. Yeah. I was, I thought, I thought you were going to word your question just as you worded on the sheet and you're trying to enrage me right off the bat because that's you to ask the question how you wrote it. Is Hayden Hurst due for a breakout? I hate nobody's ever due for anything. There's no such thing as being due in sports. Anyway, that's why I thought you were trying to get me ticked off. Uh, Hayden Hurst is almost already a top six tight end, and there is no George Kittle. Uh, John Smith is done, so he's in front of John Smith the rest of the way because of what the concerns were for John Smith to start this year is that once Corey Davis and A.J. Brown were together, he's the third man, and he's going to get left out in an offense that doesn't pass a lot. So you've knocked two guys out that are in front of him already on like scoring so far this year. So now you have Kelsey, Waller, Hawkinson. I'd still take Andrews because Andrews also has a great schedule down the stretch. Tanyan's based off of one great game, and then Jimmy Graham's sitting in front of him because of touchdowns that he's had in a few games. So, yeah, he already is. It's not. I think he is a top-six tight end. This is the Hayden Hurst that we were excited for at the beginning of the season. I don't think he's due for it to be much better, but I think what he is right now is fine. I, don't, I think that you're kind of you kind of put it in there in the question like people are upset about tight end if you can get somebody who's doing what Hurst is doing every single week you can't be upset with Hayden Hurst yeah no one's really talking about him there's there's zero Hayden Hurst buzz and I mean he might be like a secret weapon you know like I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is at the moment he's in terms of tight I, ends. I think it's because I think it's because he had that middle lull 
where he had the one touchdown on one yard catch, and then he had a game. It was either the week after that or the week after that, two weeks after, I should say, where he barely scored anything. I think people got a little bit upset during that stretch. So maybe that's why, because the point being is you're right, is Hayden Hurst has been a top 10 and better tight end people what he wanted to be this year, and they're just not noticing. All right, Moody, let's go to Baltimore. Uh, You know, you look at – so. Brandon Howard wrote a great story about uh, Devin DuVernay maybe stepping up and James Proche maybe stepping up um, because the injury to uh, uh, the tight end, whose name escapes me at the moment. But um, you, look, you look at the snaps, you look at the targets, Willie Sneed's been getting a lot of run. Um, how come no one's talking about Willie Sneed, uh, besides the obvious? Yeah, it's just a, a lot of people aren't talking about him because it's, you know, a Baltimore receiver. And then, you know, a lot of the attention has been on Lamar Jackson, you know, with his uh, with the struggles. Uh, I think subconsciously, too, a lot of people are still kind of holding out hope for a uh, Marquise Brown uh, breakout game. He hasn't had that definitive game yet, but it's just tough to trust any of the, uh, the Ravens receivers. Uh, if you look at Lamar Jackson, I'm like, he ranks 23rd in true passer rating. You know, that factors out on pressured throwaways and drops pa- and drop passes. He just doesn't look good this year. And over the last three games, when you kind of tie it back to Sneed, I'm like, Sneed's averaged, what, nearly 16 PPR fantasy points per game? You know, but only, you know, six targets and 59 air yards per game over that time frame. The Ravens also lean heavily on the run. I'm like, they're averaging 33 rushing attempts per game, which ranks second in the NFL. So when you tie all that together, I think Sneed is, is really more of like a wide receiver four. But it's just going to be difficult for this Ravens offense to support more than one fantasy receiver. And I think they are going to uh, prioritize, I would say, Marquise Brown over somebody like Snead or anyone else on the roster just because they want to keep the guy happy. And he's been pretty vocal over the last month or so, hasn't he? (laughs) Well, actually, let me ask you this. Um, Do you have more faith in a guy like DeVernay kind of leapfrogging him? Or is this uh, is Snead at least the number two on this team? Uh, do you like basically do you buy into the Duvernay? 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 Duvernay. Duvernay. <laughs> I would prioritize him more, I don't care. Uh, more over Sneed. <laughs> but it's just, it's, right, you're kind of pulling straws like to Jake's more. point. I don't, I don't really care either, but it's uh, the guy you're not going to use like in lineups unless you're a really, really deep league. So fair. Jake, Jake, let's go to Western New York. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo, like I mentioned before, like, I mean, it's kind of like a chalk, but this Moss versus Singletary battle. Uh, never gonna have a winner, right? Mm, I actually think we have a winner now. I think it is Zach Moss because something we said. Now, of course, the game against Arizona wasn't great, but the point between the two going into the year was I don't, I don't know. Everybody agreed. I don't remember if we did it on this show or not, but I, I'm repeating myself somewhere, so I don't want people to be like, "Oh, I know you said this before." But Zach Moss to Devin Singletary, there's not a big disparity between them in the passing game. That was what the perception was because of Singletary's stature, because of his ability being more of an elusive running back, people just assumed he's a really good pass catcher. He's average. So is Zach Moss. So Zach Moss getting lead carries, getting goal line carries, he's still being used somewhat in the passing game. It's only two or three targets a game, but it's not like Singletary's out. This isn't Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. This is Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, where Singletary doesn't have that leg up. So, I think going forward, I'd much rather use Moss. The biggest problem here is that's still not even overly enticing because Josh Allen is Cam Newton, and they both call their own numbers, and you're going to lose potential rushing touchdowns anyway. So if Zach Moss doesn't score on the ground, you're losing the day, and I don't really want Singletary. I'd, I'd go Moss slightly in front of him, but I don't really want This is kind of like the Ravens wide receivers. I don't want to mess around with either one of them. Fair. I like that. All right. Uh, 
you know, I got to ask these questions, though. You know, Jake, these are these are flex players for a lot of people. Right. Just trying to sort of things out as we hit the home stretch. Moody, we're going to Carolina. Uh, give us give us your take on Curtis Samuel rest of season. He's got that bye, uh, not this coming week, the week after week thirty. He's got the week thirteen bye basically. Uh, but what do you think his his prospects are the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm comfortable deploying Samuel as a weekly wide receiver three. I'm like, he's averaged nine opportunities and 17 PPR fantasy points per game over the last four games. I, I think the perception uh, when many look at Samuel, you know, they think, you know, boom or bust like immediately. But the manner in which the Panthers coaching staff have used him over the last month is very, very encouraging. It's kind of that mantra of, okay, we got a playmaker here, athletically gifted, uh, you know, breakaway speed. Let's just try to find ways to put the ball in his hand and uh, let him go to work. And so I'm, I'm very comfortable deploying a guy like that as a wide receiver three because he does have the upside, as many of us have seen, to provide you with a, a wide receiver one performance. Jakey, Jakey. We'll go to Cincinnati. Is Joe Burrow a sinking ship? I saw someone ask somewhere, maybe it was on Twitter, maybe it was, uh, actually, maybe it was in our video. Um, would you rather have Joe Burrow or Daniel Jones rest of the season? And you go look at Joe Burrow's numbers, and he's had a couple stinkers in a row here, Jake. What do you do? Sink and chip or no? No, nah, not nah, sink and chip. It's, this is rookie adjustment. This is why I'm still, for everybody asking about Justin Herbert versus I mean, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert versus Lamar Jackson, that type of stuff down the stretch. It's the same opinion I have about Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow's. The NFL, the more tape you get on somebody, the more they're going to adjust. And a rookie at a quarterback position, actually quarterback stepping in mid-game, like Jameis Winston right now. There's not a lot of tape. There's Jameis Winston tape last year. There's not a lot of Jameis Winston tape on what he is with the Saints. So when you have teams that find ways to make you make mistakes, which is what's happening with Joe Burrow, I'm still not sure that that doesn't happen to Herbert at some point. So I'm not trading it for everybody out there. I'm not trading Josh Allen because of his bad schedule to go get Herbert. I trust the guy who's been around longer. So that being said with uh, Joe Burrow, now this is it's the baseball comparison. Nando, you know this. It's like when pitchers adjust to the batters. Well, now it's on the batters to turn around and adjust back to the pitchers. And, I, and it's a backwards, you know, it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the best players win out more than the average guys. I think Joe Burrow can adjust. And the one thing about Joe Burrow is he's still throwing a ton per game, still has a great trio of wide receivers, even when A.J. Green gets left out. So I don't think he is the seeking ship. I like some of the matchups down the stretch. And, you know, this week we talked about on the ranking show, I have a, like a borderline QB1 just because you've got Stafford with a broken thumb. You've got a lot of bad matchups for a fringy starting quarterback. So I, I, I'm I staying on the ship. I'm not jumping off. I don't know how I did this, but I put Cincinnati ahead of Chicago by accident. My bad. I think it's because of the J's and M's that got put in. Were you well, no, like I, a I bullet just, point cop over? I just put those in right now so I can remember if it's Jake or Moody, Jake or Moody. Oh, Jake or Moody. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, thought, yeah, like, I thought maybe you did like a copy paste and it like screwed something up from another place. No, I just kind of slickly did that while Moody was talking Baltimore uh, just because I knew I was going to lose my place. Um, <laughs> so Moody, you got Chicago. I'm sorry. The natural order of things is messed up now. But uh, are we underrating David Montgomery? Because I was looking at Montgomery's numbers um, oh, from weeks four to eight, 19.11 fantasy looks per game, put him 14th on the season. Uh, if you go from week six to eight, he ranked third. He's got the volume. Uh, he broke more tackles than any other back uh, this season. I'm sorry, in the three weeks between six to eight, broke more tackles than any other running back, uh, which was 10. Had the second most rushing yards after contact, which was 138. Uh, his 14 red zone rushing attempts were second among running backs behind Todd Gurley. I don't know if you're going to throw those stats. I apologize if I trampled over the stats you were going to throw out, but uh, 
No, that, that's fine. I don't know. Fine. I've become pro, pro Montgomery. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Go. It's, it's funny. I'm laughing because I was thinking, Jake, I just thought he wanted me to talk even more about David Montgomery again. I thought that's that's what happened here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go, go, go. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, so David Montgomery. Oh, man. This, this is a name that you mentioned to fantasy managers. You know, they, they may elicit different reactions, you know, frustration, you know, anger, hope, you know, who knows. But like, he, he's gotten the volume this season. And he's playing 70% of the Bears' offensive snaps. The issue is just the fantasy points, you know, 12.5 PPR fantasy points. Uh, just at Montgomery, he's not, and I've said this before, you know, he's not athletically gifted enough to transcend poor offensive line play. But I got to give it to the guy. I'm like, he is running very hard. Uh, I know he's averaging nearly three yards after contact per attempt, you know, this season. But just the the Bears, like, offensive line, I'm like, has been, like, a, a real disappointment. I had some optimism this offseason because, you know, Nagy brought in, you know, Juan Castillo, you know, to address Chicago's offensive line woes because they didn't do much in free agency. But things just really haven't come together. But just judging by some of Nagy's comments, I'm like, with Nagy and his coaching staff, uh, you know, they, they've really been tinkering things, you know, quite a bit. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they can fix some of these offensive issues, you know, during the bye week. You know, I know hope's not a strategy, but it's just a shame because you look at Montgomery's upcoming schedule, you know, to close out the fantasy season, you know, with matchups against, you know, the Packers, you know, Lions, uh, Texans, Vikings, and, and Jaguars. So the opportunity, you know, is there for the taking. I, I just don't know if Montgomery's going to be able to, to kind of meet, you know, expectations. But I really think at this point, he's really more of like a, a running back three, just depending on who you have on your roster right now. Fun. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe. Yeah. So take I, it, take I, it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all right. But I understand. I mean, those are all very good points. I'm going to steal some of them to back up my own argument uh, in this column. <laughs> Jakey, Jakey. Uh, looking at Rashard Higgins. You know, I, I guess when Odell Beckham Jr. went down, everyone kind of ran to him. Um, but you know, they're throwing like 24 times a game. Baker Mayfield still kind of, I, th- I think he's still banged up with the ribs. Is Should Rashad Higgins even be rostered at this point? Or is this just like Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt and then a little bit of tight end and then a little bit of Rashad Higgins? I think the tight end actually might be a little bit more than a little bit. I think it might be Austin Hooper who saw some value at the beginning of the season. So there's two things here. You mentioned the the attempts per game, and that was why some people were off on Austin Hooper this year because after Odell Beckman and Jarvis Landry, well, how much is you, how much is Hooper going to get weekly, especially with Kareem Hunt involved out of the backfield? So Nick Chubb went down. Kareem Hunt was the guy. Well, now Kareem Hunt's just still getting his, and there's like leftover opportunities, and so Hooper started being a thing. So I still think that he can going forward more so than Higgins because Higgins is going to draw a comparison I made about Brian Edwards before he got hurt that Fulgham's now dealing with, and I hope that Carson Wentz changes this week, but he might not. Uh, you talk about Michael Pittman running to J.R. Alexander this week. It's the fact that Rashad Higgins has to face number one outside corners. Not every team has a great one, but when you're being when you're the number one outside receiver and you're somebody who doesn't have the talent to play out there, you're better as a number two or as a number three option, which Higgins is. And not dis- look, he's an NFL wide receiver. I'm not disrespecting him by saying Sounds he's like just not. Yeah, look, he's there's some players that aren't. Like, go back to Randall Cobb, one of the better wide receivers all the time. When he's asked to be the number one for the Packers, he bombed because he's not equipped to do that. That's not his skill set. So I think that that's why Higgins doesn't really draw my interest because he'll have some weeks, but I don't think he'll be able to really predict like this is the week. Especially when you said you go back to Baker and he just doesn't attempt that much. Do you slap him on the Bengals? Then maybe Higgins has some appeal. Okay, yeah, because well, the Bengals throw twice as much as the Browns, right? So, yeah. Uh, Moody, what's Dallas look like coming out of the bye? 
<laughs> oh, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. So uh, I do believe the Cowboys offense will look better. I guess it can't get any worse, right? Uh, Dalton, you know, his first two starts, what he only led one uh, touchdown drive. You know, they were blown out by the Cardinals in Washington. Guy looked uneasy in the pocket uh, through, what, three interceptions, and I didn't surpass five yards, you know, per attempt. And so, obviously, things have to change. I just think it'll be really important to get the running game going, but not only with Ezekiel Elliott. You have to get Tony Pollard involved even more to kind of give them that that spark, just given kind of where Zeke's at, you know, at this stage of his career. I know we talked about him in detail, you know, last week, Nando. Uh, Cowboys offensive line, I'm like, it's it's been a struggle this season. I'm like, they're consistently allowing a high number of quarterback pressures this season. You know, Dak Prescott, you know, was talented enough and mobile enough to handle it. You know, but the reality is Dalton is not Dak Prescott. So I think it'll be really, really important just for the team to implement more of kind of a quick hitting, you know, passing game, kind of focusing on the short and intermediate routes or parts of the field. Because I'm like, they've got some really great receivers, you know, and they could really leverage their yards after the catchability. You know, it's we don't need Andy Dalton back there in the pocket trying to throw deep really at this stage of his career and with this team that's built around him. So I believe we'll see some changes, but uh, I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see uh, kind of how they perform because with being here in Dallas and whenever I talk NFL, everyone's always talking about the Cowboys. I'm like, you do know I'm a Saints guy, right? <laughs> Nando, Nando, did it sound to you like he almost made up a word there? It sounded like he said yards after the catchability, like that was a word. <laughs> it went Maybe that is a word, Jake. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yards after the catchability. That's good. Maybe I could yes. create like a metric or something <laughs> on that right now. <laughs> Yards after the catchability. Make it your own now, quick. <laughs> hey, uh, Traeger, want to be part of uh, the new wave of analytics? Contact Eric Moody. Eric N. Moody on Twitter. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, Jakey, Jakey, you ready? Yeah. We're entering the second third of our show. And okay. I smushed together Denver and Indianapolis. You might have noticed. Well, actually, you wouldn't have because we haven't gotten to the D's yet. Denver and Indianapolis uh, smushed together. Would you rather okay. have Jerry Judy or Naheem Hines the rest of season in a PPR league? Uh, I'll you know what? You know, I'll give you 0.5 PPR. I know you love 0.5. You can, you Half can answer point 0.5. PPR. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, well, that changes it a little bit. I'll... I'll go Hines, but I hate it. I, I really don't want Hines because I just feel like any given week, Frank Wright, you know what? So then I, I'm not going to take Judy because <laughs> you, you, well, because here's why. You have to start Hines right now. There's no way you can bench him after what we've just seen the past two games, and especially last week. And the fact is he's also getting rushing attempts in addition to his passing game work. The problem is Frank Wright, 
and this team and this team's usage of Jonathan Taylor and kind of going down the Sean McVay route of also one week to the next telling us everything's fine with Jonathan Taylor and then going similar. It's like the Chargers. It's actually like Sean McVay and the Chargers combined. He's screwing around with Jonathan Taylor, telling us things that he doesn't actually seemingly believe himself, and then also goes with the hot hand during the game, where sometimes now Wilkins is even getting more touches than Taylor. So I want to stay away from this backfield. You have to start Hines this week. But if Reich pulled the rug out from underneath us and all of a sudden it's five touches for Hines, it wouldn't shock me. So not having to deal with this, I would take Judy. Tell you what, man. Uh Oh yeah, Chris Vaccaro had a. Gr- I wish I, could, I, I was trying to pull it up quickly, but I'm not gonna be able to. I'm doing this from memory. Vaccaro had like a great line about Jonathan Taylor, like just kind of like all these Jonathan Taylor GMs were just patting themselves on the back, and they were cashing their winnings already, and now it's kind of like buying buying their wives fur coats, uh, and now they're just going back to the store of the receipt because of the just the absolute bust that Don- Jonathan Taylor has become. But see, that's crazy. the thing. Is like, like I, I know Chris isn't saying this. Like he, no, no, the entire world was on Jonathan. There was nobody that wasn't on Jonathan Taylor. Nobody. I Jake, I wasn't. Wait, no, no. When Marlon Mack got hurt. Like, I was off of Jonathan Taylor when Mack was healthy. I didn't watch. I thought I said Jonathan Taylor being drafted in the fourth or fifth round was insane. We've done this in the pre... But when Mack got hurt, everybody in the world said he was now worthy of being that draft pick, and that's when he shot up even into the third round. Now, that maybe you could say that was aggressive, but there was nobody out there that was like, don't take Jonathan Taylor now that Marlon Mack is hurt. Jordan Wilkins is going to creep up in week eight. Yeah, that you. We all sell that. I remember. Comment. I wrote that in one of my columns. I didn't. Anyway, uh, let's go to Moody for Detroit, and we're squishing them together with Pittsburgh. Uh, Moody, you can you can pick your format, uh, but you know I, I just default to PPR. You want DeAndre Swift or James Conner rest of season? Yeah, I'd rather have uh, DeAndre Swift uh, over James Conner. I'm like Swift. Like over these last five games, I'm like he's averaged 16 opportunities per game. And he, he set a season high last week of uh, 21. He's doing really well, you know, from a PPR fantasy points lens. You know, he's averaging 17 fantasy points per game over that time frame, which also includes two RB1 and two RB2 finishes. You look at the schedule, uh, their upcoming schedule for the Lions. Uh, it really should have fantasy managers salivating like they're cooking some smoked meat on their Traeger. You like that, Nando? Week 12, (laughs) uh, Texans. Week 14, Packers. Week 15, Titans. So I'm just curious to see if they're going to be more committed, you know, to the rookie running back. Uh, At least all signs are, are trending towards that way, but you never know with this backfield. But I do see Swift getting enough work to be very productive. So I'll definitely take Swift over an aging physically declining, you know, James Conner any day of the week. All right, well, you didn't have to kick him while he was down, man. Well, hey, it's a tough business. It's, it's a tough he's, business. Wait, 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 age, he's 25. <laughs> How aging? Like, are you... Well, Jake, in a way, we're all aging, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. If people in Texas, like, would they age slower or something? It would be so mean. God. <laughs> well, Jake, Jake, let's go to Green Bay. And let me just, very simple question for you. Who's the number two? Like running back or wide receiver? Oh, no, I think it's the running back. I think it's the wide receiver. I mean, with Alan Lazard back, does he assume the role or has Marcus Valdez-Scantling kind of gained Aaron Rodgers' trust? (laughs) Well, like I would say he's gained some trust for the fact that he kept going back to him because I'm pretty sure the another one, the entire fantasy and even NFL world thought Marquez Valdez-Scantling was done after he dropped that pass and Aaron Rodgers tried to kill him with his stare two weeks ago. And then he had his biggest game and then has a big game last week. I think if you told me 
at the beginning of the season and said talent and what do you think of opportunities and who's playing where on this team, you would say Lazard. And you'd probably still say Lazard as of today. But I don't think it's as locked in as it was a few weeks ago before. You can't ignore what Valdez Scantling's done the last two games. And there's reports also that Lazar is going to be worked back in. It's not going to be a hundred percent workload right out of the gate, which inside injuries, our guys over there said at the beginning when this injury went down and I asked them because some people were trying to make this a positive spin. They said, nobody's come back in the history of core muscle surgeries. Nobody's come back in four weeks. And Lazar didn't, despite the fact that he was going to try to, he didn't. And he, they said that the majority is six to eight weeks and usually eight weeks plus is the ideal situation for this kind of surgery so he's still about a week ahead of that so I'm a little bit tentative honestly I think it still might be Valdez Scantling although now I want to kind of stay away okay fair enough uh Moody let's go to oh I guess you're getting all the this was not planned getting all the Texas teams uh in Houston Duke Johnson out with an illness yesterday non-COVID related illness but still an illness uh should people be panic adding CJ Procise I, I don't think so uh you know, Duke Johnson has practice, like you mentioned, but I'd be really surprised if he misses, you know, week 11. And uh, I know some fantasy managers may be thinking, okay, this guy laid an egg last week, but I can see him having a better showing this week, you know, against the Patriots. I think we won't obviously have to deal with the weather conditions and uh, New England's defense is really susceptible uh, to the run. So a uh, better days ahead for uh, Duke Johnson. Again, I'd be really, really surprised if he misses week 11. All right, Jakey, Jakey, I squished together Jacksonville and Vegas. Uh, is DJ Chark droppable for Devontae Booker no. if you have Josh Jacobs? No. At this point? No. Let me ask Moody a follow-up question. <laughs> DJ Chark is not droppable even in 10-team leagues. No. I want, was, I want to make sure was, people, are cra- people are crapping on DJ Chark. I just want I'm putting my fingers yeah, on the Yeah, because pulse. they ignore what happened the game before that. Luton is going to have some bad games. He's a rookie that shouldn't be starting this year and not too dissimilar for Gardner Minshew when you look talk about draft capital and a projectability at a quarterback position. Luke was probably not the answer next year. The, the, wouldn't be a surprise. Jaguars picking one or two, maybe three. Still probably going to get Justin Fields or somebody like that. But DJ Chark is not droppable. DJ Chark is probably not even benchable right now. Moody, uh, I want to bring this up since we're talking Vegas. Um, you wrote a, a great, uh, I don't want to call it a nugget, a great section on Henry Ruggs. Can you just give us a quick rundown of, uh, maybe people are very frustrated with Henry Ruggs, but you got him among your under the radar players for week 11. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could do that. Yeah. It, it, you know, I talk a, a lot about, um, kind of expectations and, uh, and perceptions, you know, with a guy like Ruggs, I'm like, we, you know, we had a perception that he was going to come in, you know, get, you know, all these, you know, all these targets and just, and just like, like the world on fire. But the reality is when you look at uh, the Raiders, it's certain games where they really just don't ask Derek Carr, you know, to do much. And he's got a lot of different weapons to throw to, and he does spread the ball out really well. Plus Ruggs, you know, missed time earlier this season and he's back, but I'm like, he's getting targeted downfield quite a bit. Him and um, Carr haven't been able to connect, you know, quite a bit on those passes, but obviously better days are coming, you know, against a team like the Chiefs. It's just like the the Raiders, who knows if they do this, you know, but wouldn't shouldn't be surprised, you know, with uh, Chucky at the helm. But I'm like, they're not going to have to sit back and really lean on Josh Jacobs as, as much as they have in the past against a team like the Chiefs. You, know, you want to be aggressive. You want to go out and attack. It's essentially going to be a track meet, especially with that defense that they have. So they're going to have to score points. And if you look back, uh, I think it was back in uh, week five, um, I know Henry Ruggs really, really thrived against the Chiefs 
you know, that, you know, the, that, that first game. And so I could easily see that, you know, happening again, but you got to think back with these rookies with this, with this off season, you know, we, we had COVID-19, uh, the off season was completely different. And so it just may take a little bit longer for Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr to truly gel, but just to kind of tie it back to the column, I, I just really believe we're going to see kind of that transition take place beginning this week against the chiefs. So that's the bottom line. Speaking of COVID-19, Everyone should go read the Sean Reed piece about what the Raiders are dealing with right now. Because, like, every paragraph starts with, if this player can't play, then. If this guy doesn't play, then. And it's like a crazy... I mean, there are 10 guys on the COVID list right now, I think. And last I checked, before I went to bed last night, there were 10. And Sean wrote this just great piece about, like, how decimated they are. It's uh, impressive. All right, I got a Jake and Moody combo coming up for the LA Chargers. Uh, Jake, you talked to Austin Eckler the other day and there's a column coming later today which by the time everyone listens to this will be out um uh, could you just hit one highlight on this uh you would he because i like i had to edit it and i read it and i'm like this guy actually was pretty forthcoming about his injury and his return yeah, it was quick plug jake so, you got 30 seconds go oh just quickly plug it <laughs> listen to somebody that actually gets it when it comes to fantasy and enjoying football and life and actually can talk and not give you that what, what, what like TV answers of like, oh, I'm just doing whatever it takes. And was very open about his injury as well. Yeah. And he actually told people to go get him because he, and he, he bookmarked that. And like, I play fantasy. Like I know I'm going to be there for the playoffs. And also the most surprising answer I've ever heard to is uh, die hard a Christmas movie. <laughs> well, I, I, we might cut that one. <laughs> no, leave that in there. All right, fine. Uh, Moody, uh, what do you offer someone for Austin Eckler before? I mean, a, would you be inclined to do so? B, Someone who's held him on his IR forever, you know, he's not hurting his roster. But I mean, do you still offer someone something of substance for Austin Eckler uh, if you're looking at, you know, your seven and three, six and four, looking at the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. With the uh, Chargers, you know, playoff schedule, then you look at Eckler's, uh, you know, body of work. Uh, a couple of names came to mind. Uh, like I know James Conner was one that immediately came to mind. Uh, likewise, with like Mike Evans, if you're kind of looking to do like a one on one trade, I guess if you were trying to put together like a two for one deal, um, someone like Todd Gurley you know, uh, trading away Todd Gurley and landing like Austin Eckler and Jerry Judy, you know, that's an option. Or if you're looking to move on from someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, to acquire someone like Austin Eckler and Chris Godwin. Uh, those are two trades. Uh, when I saw the question, Nando, that I kind of immediately thought about kind of players that have significant upside, you know, for the rest of the season, but just given their current circumstances on the teams that they're on, maybe a little undervalued right now. I like this. You're actually giving players who are worth something. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those, well, I guess I could give uh, someone who sucks. These are actually players who could be worth something that you're willing to trade. Yeah, that's the thing. In order to, to win, uh, like, a, a championship, I'm like, you, you have to take, you know, some calculated risk uh, in order to, to do so. So you do have to give, give away the value to, to, to get value. Uh, you know, kind of happens every year where you kind of make a deal like a waiver wire acquisition or or like a trade that really catapults your team, you know, to that next level to win the championship. So I think we're kind of presented with an opportunity like that with uh, with Eckler here. So looking forward nice. to reading uh, Jake's column as well. So. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, Jake, going to the Rams, staying in L.A. Is Cooper Cup uh, done? Not done, no. They've actually got a really nice schedule down the stretch. The concern is, is he done as a wide receiver? One, uh, very much potentially, because similar to last year at the end of the season. Very much potentially, yank- isn't it? You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> <laughs> choose a side. You give me the Wolverine. Okay. 
uh, let me recover and finish this <laughs> right, answer. Is that okay? That's <laughs> so, yards after catchability. <laughs> so there you go. And another, there's another word for you. Uh, very much so, probably. There you go. All right, uh, thank you. Look, the end of last year, they started getting all – you got pulled off the field when they were running 12. They got pulled off the field for Josh Reynolds. The thing that saved Cooper Cup at the end of last year was, what is it, four or five straight games just like Higby where we were scoring a touchdown. So Cooper Cup's value looks – as great as it was, but it was actually concerning from a usage standpoint, and that shouldn't that for like that's that's regression coming for touchdown rate. So when you look at this year, they were starting to run a lot of three wide before the bye, and then coming out of the bye, twelve started that's two tight ends started clicking back up, and in that Josh Reynolds started replacing Cup again. So if that's going to happen and Cup's out there for seventy percent versus ninety percent. He's not a wide receiver one anymore. So, yes, he's done being a wide receiver one. Is he done being valuable? No. You still throw him out there as a wide receiver two. Worst case scenario, wide receiver three because of the schedule. All right. Fair. Uh, Let's go to Miami. Eric Moody. Moody in Miami. Uh, So, you know, if Lamar was the next Dijon and Kyler is the new Lamar, is Tua (laughs) the new Kyler next year? Yes. I, I can I can buy into that. Uh, you know, like the way the Dolphins coaching staff uh, have handled things uh, you know, this off season, uh, all the way up until now. I really like a lot of the the moves that they've made, uh, just with trying to enhance uh, the roster. But I uh, I like the steps that they've taken with Tua uh, to get him ready to play, and and they're they're doing a pretty good job of of protecting him in a way. You know, they're they're taking some chances, you know, on on some passes and and getting him exposure and experience, but. Uh, I like how they're kind of unleashing or I guess unlocking a lock like each week. And so once we get to the end of the season, we're going to have him fully unleashed, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying to say, but he's been really productive on his uh, like short and intermediate passes so far this season. He's been money on those. He's struggling a little bit like on his deep ball and and I could see that improving, but he's been very solid overall. And he's kind of shown us some of his uh, mobility. And I think as he gets more acclimated to being, you know, years removed from this injury, you know, we'll, we'll end up seeing uh, more of that, but I'm really excited about his, uh, about his prospects and, you know, as being uh, like an, an Alabama, you know, roll tide guy, uh, you know, seeing him go down was, was very tough to see. So, you know, this is a guy I'm just rooting for. So future's bright. Two is another, uh, moody special in the column today. Go check it out. The athletic.com, uh, fantasy football pods, the athletic.com slash fantasy football pods gets you a very special discount. I got to write that at the top of the rundown so I remember it. Sorry. <laughs> Jake, uh, I want to get a DST real quick. The Vikings are a very popular pickup right now. Uh, is this a DST worth pursuing uh, and like chasing someone every week? Can you hold on to them for a little while? What are you going to do with Minnesota? Uh, I think that's partly just people are playing matchups here, and I'm not as intrigued by the Vikings defense because it's still the Vikings defense. It, like, Look at last week against the Bears. It held them to 13, and it was the Bears. And it was still just an okay defensive performance. I think they had, what, six points, seven points? Because the problem here is you want turnovers, you want potential defensive touchdowns, and you want lots of sacks. They occasionally get two at most per game. So I'm not as high as most people are for Vikings just because, oh, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Well, what if Andy Dalton's fine? Like Andy Dalton didn't look good in his first full start, but he has put up some really nice seasons in past years. And I just... I I feel like this Cowboys team, you asked the question earlier to Moody, I just feel like the Cowboys team coming out of the bye, I'm not saying they're putting up 30 points, but I think they could surprise, and this feels like a kind of a trap situation. Uh, 
I had no worry to bring up this Giants thing, but maybe some other show. Maybe on a video show today, Jake, we can do it. Like Mark Colombo getting fired. Crazy. But I guess not. Yeah. Like, I, I saw an Ian Rappaport clip. Offensive where, line sucks. Yeah. Well, I saw a clip where Rappaport, I think it was, on NFL something something was saying uh, that Joe Judge had actually kind of taken over the offensive line coaching. He's a very Belichickian thing where he, uh, he like, kind of jumped in and has taken over the coaching. Oh, yeah, of this I saw team. the report that that's partly what led to the fight. And no, there was no punches thrown like the one initial report because that was hogwash. But apparently, the report, the true report is that he called Joe Judge something that is one of the worst things you could potentially call. That's what the report said. I don't know what it is. I don't know, Jake. What are those words? I don't know. That's All I don't right. know what the report is. <laughs> okay. All right. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Okay, moving on to New England. Moody, do you feel comfortable starting Jacoby Myers in a PPR format like rest of season through the playoffs? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not comfortable at all. You know, Myers is, is more of a wide receiver four. I'm like, if you're like in a really, really deep format, you know, deep benches, et cetera, et cetera, like a 14 or 16 team league. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be a little bit more open to it, but but Cam Newton concerns me. He's just been really inconsistent as a passer this season, and the Patriots, you know, have leaned even more like uh, like on the run. Uh, it's just with Newton, he he's just struggled. Uh, you know, I wrote this in the uh, in the column. You know, he just had. You know, he's only had uh, three passing touchdowns compared to uh, seven interceptions this season. And uh, you know, he's 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 really thriving. You know, as a uh, as a runner. Uh, I'm trying to think back to that stat. I know he has like nine uh, rushing touchdowns this season. It's like the second most by a quarterback through eight games of a season in NFL history. That was from a pro football reference. So I was able to uncover that nugget. And so I think we'll be able to continue to see, you know, more of that, but he just doesn't have a high number of pass attempts, which in turn is going to make Myers be really volatile. And it just all comes down to if you're able to embrace that kind of volatility with your roster, but typically during the fantasy playoffs, you know, you, you know, you want to have upside there, but you don't want to take on you know too many unnecessary risks. So it's a guy I'm fading. Like it, like it, by the way, a uh, programming note, uh, next week we're not going to have a show because it's Thanksgiving. Uh, please go enjoy your Texans, Lions, Washington Cowboys, and Ravens Steelers games. Uh, but we'll be back the week after, obviously. The Washington uh, Cowboys. Well, is it Washington? We have the football team, Cowboys. <laughs> no, you good know. with that, Jake? Footballs. No, it just it sounded funny because it said Washington Cowboys. That's I guess all. it kind of did. It yeah. Sounded... Uh, Jake. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of these left, and not a lot of time. Um, so let's just tighten these up a little bit, okay, Jake? Stop screwing around. I'm waiting. Also, breaking news. The athletic.com slash fantasy football pod is where you want to go, not pods. I apologize for pluralizing it. Uh, the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod. Um, that is the best deal out there. So there used to be like, you know, 30% off, 40% off. 
going to that, whatever pops up is the best deal we've got right now. Um, and hit that link if you want to subscribe. It'll be good for this show. It'll prove that we drive audiences. Anyway, Jake, New Orleans. Can Jameis Winston turn around Michael Thomas's season? I don't even think it necessarily needs to be Jameis Winston as much as I think we talked about it on the yesterday. Wakey with Jakey. God, I still roll my eyes at that. Wakey, wakey <laughs> with Jakey, Jakey. You love it. You've said it enough it's, times or I don't think you roll your eyes at it. Uh, you, you see me in person. So the fact that Michael Thomas just might not be into game flow yet. It's just it's two games. This is now his third game back. Uh, there was a lot of delays on him coming back. So maybe he's actually playing through being 100 percent. And, you know, everybody at this point of the season is usually nicked up at some degree. But it just might be getting to the game flow. It just that could be it. So Winston, I don't think as much as a factor as it's just Michael Thomas getting to back to game shape. But Jameis Winston is better at a deep ball thrower than Drew Brees. That's not hard. So the, it could it could wake up Michael Thomas. I think they could also make Emmanuel Sanders potentially relevant or somebody else. We don't know. But I think we might be able to get a second wide receiver versus being Michael Thomas and nobody else. I like it. Well, I, I, I'm again, pointing to the site, Brandon Howard wrote a great story, and this is in the DuVernay story, about Jameis Winston fixes his mechanics. I don't want to give it all away here, but, uh, and it's, you know, it's not like a huge part of the story. It's like 300 words, but he noticed some stuff that Winston's done that uh, led to increased velocity in his throws, so. Read about it. Uh, New York Giants. Moody, can we just drop Golden Tate? Yeah, drop him. Yeah, if, if you want to have any exposure to this offense, then you're really going to want Darius Slayton or uh, Sterling Shepard. Uh, but yeah, Golden Tate. Or Austin you can, Mack. Yeah, you can dump him. Yeah, D- dump him. Jakey, Jakey. Uh, okay, so everyone's on the Michael P. Ryan. Everybody's on the Michael P. Ryan. But the Jets aren't going to do that. How many games rest of the season will Frank Gore outgain or out fantasy point on Michael P. Ryan? Oh, out fantasy point? I'll say yeah. two, because even if he outgains touches him, I just Frank Gore. So I'll say two. They like, seem they to like get these. Uh, yeah, because Adam Gase, I told you, the Adam Gase might be the genius behind everything. We were joking about it. it was, watch, he's, pretend, he's purposely tanking without tanking because he's just going to go out there. Yeah, Frank Gore looks great. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. So he's just tanking without tanking. Well, you know, maybe Gore's a better blocker than the, the rookie. And uh, I mean, we to talked about their... that before, but yeah. this, that that doesn't mean you still keep giving Frank Gore double-digit carries. That's completely Fine. different. So, Moody, when we talk uh, Eagles, everyone's leaving out Alshon Jeffrey, which makes sense. I mean, he's you know he's aging and uh, he's been hurt forever. But uh, is, it, is it totally wrong? Just to totally dismiss him? Can he? Is there a chance he can kind of assimilate into this lineup? And do something maybe? Yeah, I, I don't believe so. Uh, it's for a couple of reasons. You know, Carson Wentz, you know, with the way that he's been playing, he's been really uh, inconsistent. And then you have a lot of mouths to feed, you know, as well. You got, you know, Miles Sanders that's there. I know he always commands, you know, targets as a receiver out of the backfield. I mean, you also have Jalen Rager uh, that's there. You've got uh, you've got Fulgham. So you've got a lot of different mouths to feed. And I just think the Eagles are ready to move on from uh, Al- Alshon Jeffrey at this point. So, again, you can totally dismiss him in my opinion. Jakey, Jakey, let's go to the Bay Area. Uh, Tevin Coleman, over-under games with 10 or more fantasy points and a half-point PPR, 2.5. Under. I, was, I thought that was an easy over. Explain No, yourself. that's an, it, it's right. an easy under. It's, right. You want to give me point, point five under. <laughs> Mostert's PPR. coming back. I don't care. Under. Mostert's right. coming back after the bye. Okay. And Jarek McKinnon's not dead. So, under. He's not even relevant. Done. Over. Moody. Okay. Okay. Uh, we get it. Hey, Jake, calm down, man. We get it. <laughs> Moody. Uh, Seattle 
rotating running backs. It, you know, it looks like uh, Carlos Hyde will be back this week, and Chris Carson should be coming back shortly thereafter. But Pete Carroll dropped a Rashad Penny bomb on everybody yesterday. Uh, inside injuries has him healthy to return week 13. Uh, but you never know. He could pop up before that. Is, is this a worthy pickup or just not right now? Yeah, I wouldn't pick up Penny, you know, right now. Uh, one thing I love about uh, Pete Carroll, I'm like, he, he always brings uh, energy and, and, and optimism <laughs> when it comes to uh, not only Rashad Penny, but just players like in general. But here's the deal. I'm like, this guy suffered a very, very serious knee injury. Was it like last December, late, late November? But it was December. Yeah, last December. And so I'm like, it wouldn't be surprising, you know, as we as the dust settles on the season that I'm like, he's you know, on the pup list, like all year, but you've got Chris Carson that's there, you know, they acquired, uh, you know, obviously Carlos Hyde. And so I think you've got enough, uh, you got DJ Dallas there as well. So you've got enough uh, running backs there to, uh, to, to kind of, to, to, to take care of what the Seahawks need. And so with Penny, just, I, I wouldn't pick up, pick, pick up Penny. Hope's not a strategy. So. Fair, fair. Jiggy, uh, we're going to Tampa Bay. Hey, you and I spent some time in Tampa Bay at the, uh, Fantasy Sports Gaming Association annual conference. It was a good time. We had a good time. Jake, is Mike Evans no longer a solid wide receiver too? No, it's actually, he's been solid. All of a sudden, Tom Brady is kind of looking at him more <laughs> with Chris Godwin out there. Now that Antonio Brown's in the mix, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as of right now. I still have concerns that he's going to be very touchdown reliant, but I don't think we have enough evidence to say who what, what the pecking order is. As of today, I would still go Godwin number one. But where I initially thought it was Evan solidly number three because he was going to be only touchdown red zone reliant, he's getting looks and 60, what, 69 yards last week for Antonio Brown, and Evans was still getting his opportunity. So still would say Godwin first, but I could see him being a wide receiver too, especially if Antonio Brown is just going to be more of a complimentary piece, and then who knows what's going on with this other situation if he's even on the team in three weeks. So I don't think, I don't think he's done for. You don't have noticed the season that I've never noticed before. Um, when you get to the Giants, you're like, man, we're only the ends, like first half of the alphabet. But there aren't a lot of teams that come alphabetically after, after the, the ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I guess you lost San Diego and you lost St. Louis a few years ago, but still. So we got Tennessee and Washington left. Moody, Tennessee. Uh, Dante Foreman has re-entered uh, everybody's at least subconsciousness as the backup in Tennessee, and um, uh, Joe Rexroad, our our Titans writer in uh, Beller's piece where he went around and asked all the beat writers to kind of give us the lay of the land for the running backs. Um, you know, he's kind of like, Foreman's kind of similar to Henry. He's a big guy. He's doing well. Uh, is, is this, if you're looking at the playoffs and you're kind of remembering like the Damian Williams explosion and just these late season surges from backups, um, should, is Dante Foreman like one of the most important players slash backups to get, even if you don't have Travis Henry? Oh, you mean uh, Derrick Henry, right? That's what I meant. Okay. Oh, man, Travis Henry. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, just assuming you meant Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, okay. I wrote this, this rundown was written late at night after Jake's after transcribing Jake's Austin Eckler interview. So, no, yeah. no, you're, you're good. Yeah, I just want to make sure we're calibrated. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. We're talking about Derrick Henry. Yeah, we'll talk about Derrick Henry. I can talk about Travis Henry. I can talk about any, any Henry. Let's talk about Traeger Henry. There, there you yeah. go, Traeger Henry. There we go. Boom, we did it again. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would go scoop Foreman up. But it's 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 not a guy where, you know, I wouldn't pick up Foreman to to drop someone that's really really fantasy relevant because 
you know, God forbid, if Henry did go down, uh, I think we're looking at a committee. Foreman would be involved, but I just don't think they're going to hand over all of Derrick Henry's opportunity share to Foreman, you know, just given his injury history and say, here, go have some fun with that. So that that's really my only concern. But I'm like, if you've got, you know, fodder that's on the bottom of your roster, I, I would scoop him up. Jake, take us home with Washington. Is it worth it keeping an eye on Bryce Love or is this Antonio Gibson's backfield? And just for some context, I'm basing this on uh, Gibson. I, mean, I haven't checked this week, but he was the 125th ranked pass blocker uh, among running backs. I'm sorry, 125th ranked, I think, blocker among running backs um, last as of last week. He played a lot. I, I thought it was going to be more J.D. McKissick because of that stat. Um, but you know, Ron Rivera did say a couple good things about Bryce Love. He's designated to return now. Um, Jake, take us home with Bryce Love. There is nothing to take you home with. It's Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. I would love Bryce Love to be involved, but it's there's there's no room for him at this point outside of getting a few touches as the season wears down, unless something happens injury-wise. So it's Gibson and McKissick, and that's it. Fine. These last couple of questions were kind of, I, I, I was thinking like, you know, okay, week 14, week 15, we're in the thick of things, and all of a sudden Bryce Love has a 17 142 two touchdown game you know what i mean like that's not that's maybe that's fine that's five percent chance of happening in in real life but you know dante foreman 22 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns it's just those little things that pop into my head week 14 15 very very plausible so that's where i went i wasn't getting tired i was just thinking about those weeks Anyway, that's it. Those are our 32 teams. Uh, make sure you check out the site. I know we, we sound like we plug a lot here, but it's because there's good stuff and you know it's, it's worth what we're talking about is what they're writing about. So uh, Jake's got that Austin Eckler interview, which should be up uh, by the time you hear this. And Eric Moody is the man who has 20 under-the-radar sleepers this week um, for your perusal, who you can just drop in and enjoy. Uh, so, Eric Moody, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. No, happy Thanksgiving to you, Nando, Jake, Bella behind the scenes, and also just all of our uh, listeners that are out there. So stay safe, enjoy the time with family, and uh, you'll hear from us soon. Jake Seeley, I know you identify as a Canadian, so you had your Thanksgiving last month, uh, but enjoy that Thursday off of work. Don't know what the hell you're talking about, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you have a safe and happy holiday weekend, week, however you're, uh, you're choosing to do it in these strange times. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be stronger. We'll be better than ever. This is show number 15, by the way. That's a milestone. Uh, but thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoy this. Hope this is helpful. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.